Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Well, did you come to be changed this morning? Praise God, then you won't be disappointed. You've come to receive change in your life. We're talking about the importance of God's Word this morning. And just for those of you that may not have been here for a while, just to give you an update, a quick review, look in the book of Isaiah, chapter 66, verses 1 and 2. And this is from the NIV version of the Bible. This is what the Lord says. Who said it? What did he say? Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Did you see that? What's he saying? He wants a dwelling place. Where is he going to dwell? Not in earth-made buildings, but in hearts that are humble and contrite before him and hearts that tremble at his word. Is that the attitude we should have toward the word of God? In other words, when God speaks, we should tremble. When Moses stood before Mount Sinai and the people that were there and he got the Ten Commandments up there on that mountain, the people trembled, the, sh- the mountain shook, there was fire. I mean, it was an amazing, th- amazing sight. Trembled at the word of God. And you take those Ten Commandments, the first four, our relationship with God, the last six, our relationship with people. Social laws. We're to govern our lives by those laws. In the New Testament, we have the law of love, which really incorporates all the Ten Commandments. But it's important to know that our attitude toward the Word of God will determine the place that God holds in our lives. And so it's important that we take God's Word to heart, tremble at it. Also, we talked about the Word reveals to us three major questions that we all have. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? Well, God created you for his honor and glory. That's where you came from. Why are you here? To fulfill the life purpose that he has for you. Where are you going? One of two places. The eternal heaven or the eternal hell. A place of eternal comfort and a place of eternal discomfort. And that's exactly what the word of God teaches us. How do we get there? It's based on your belief. Not on your works, not on what you do, but what you believe. And those that say, well, I don't believe... That's okay. You cannot believe, but you'll end up in a place that you don't want to be. We believe, and then we do good works. Our belief will usher us into the place of God's presence eternally if we believe in the workmanship of Jesus Christ. And then we talked about all creation was spoken into being by the breath of God. God spoke in the book of Genesis. God said, and it was so. God spoke and said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. He talked to the sun, the moon, and the stars and placed them up there by the word of his mouth. When Job questioned God, he said, oh, let me ask you a question, Mr. Job. By what cords does the earth hang out there in space? And Job stopped right there. Didn't want to hear another question that God had for him. All things created are upheld by the word of his power. In other words, when his word is spoken, for example, by, you can see this in Jeremiah, perpetual decree, 
the mighty waters of the ocean don't cross over the sand along the seashore because he gave a decree. A, he spoke a word that said, stop right there. And then when a storm comes and it tries to go over, got to go back. You got to go back. And it goes back. Why? Because God spoke. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us all that is seen was created of things that do not appear. The reason why man cannot find out the reason for the earth and its existence and they only theorize. And what's a theory? A supposition based on the ignorance of the subject under discussion is what it is. They don't know. And you know why they don't know? Because you can't see words under a microscope. Everything you see was created of things that don't appear. They're still, still things, but they don't appear. You can't see them under a microscope. God spoke and it became. That's what the word teaches us. And then guess what? We talk about Jesus, but sometimes we neglect to state the fact that Jesus was the word made flesh and dwelt among us. So the word was made flesh. The word took on flesh and walked on the earth. And guess what? He spoke to the wind, the waves, and the sea. And guess what? They obeyed him. Remember his disciples said, what manner of man is this that he speaks to the wind, the waves, and the sea? And they obey. He spoke to a dead man. Lazarus, come forth. Guess what? He did. He was four days dead. Body began to decay. Are we getting the point? The word of God is all important. And the word of God is all powerful. We don't come just to be entertained. We've come to be taught the word of God. Why? So it governs our lives. So that we live by it. Amen. All right. It also saves. In the book of 1 Peter 1.23, we are told, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God that lives and abides forever. How are you born again? By the word of God. It heals. Psalm 107 verse 20 says, he sent his word and healed them. And then it delivers. It says, and delivers them from their destructions. So it saves. It heals. It delivers. It promotes spiritual growth and development. 1 Peter 2, 2 tells us, As a newborn babe desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Are we getting the point that the word of God is extremely important to every aspect of our lives? It enlightens. We are told in the book of Psalms. The entrance of thy word gives light. Light stands for understanding, direction, wisdom, and knowledge. Now let's continue on. Look in Psalm 119 verse 11. A very important scripture in this day in which we live. I have treasured. This is from the Holman Christian Standard Bible translation. I have treasured your word. Treasured what? Your word where? In my heart. So that I may not. Mm, what? Sin against thee. Is there such a thing called sin? Yeah, one man brought sin into the world. What was his name? I'd blame Eve. But I'd be in trouble. Right? God said to Adam, have you eaten? This woman over here, she gave it to me and I ate. She cooked it up. I just ate it. But my fault was hers. What have you done? <laughs> and they just, the, the, the blame game just went right on. They blamed each other for what they had done. That woman you gave me, he blamed God actually. 
You know that one you brought here from my side and said, here she is. And you said, this is now flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And for the, yeah, yeah, you did it. And then when he addressed Eve, what did she say? Well, the devil made me do it. Really. Anyhow. All right. Four phrases from this verse of scripture we're going to highlight today. Number one, your word. Everybody say God's word. This is a reference to the entirety of the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament coming together. The entirety of the Bible. So when we talk about the word of God, we're talking about his laws, his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, his testimonies, etc., his ordinances and all that. So in other words, God has revealed to us certain laws by which we are to be governed. Let me ask you a question. Who created you? Who has the right to govern you? If you want to be in his eternal kingdom, who are you going to respond to? Him. Who are you going to live by? What he says, right? So if he created us, he has the right, since he's the creator, we're the created, to govern our lives and tell us, look, look, I am the only God, have no strange gods before me. Make yourself no graven images that you're going to fall down and worship. See to it that you don't use my name in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Four commandments he gives as far as our relationship with him is concerned. That's not a whole lot, is it? Today we got people saying, I don't need to really be in church. Really? Talk it over with God. See what he says about it. We know what he said about it. Don't forsake the fellowship of, together with one another as the manner of some is. Because we all need the fellowship of saints. We have to learn from the word of God. We have to help each other along the way. I don't need it, but your brother might need it. Your sister might need it. Help somebody along the way. Be a participant. Amen? Praise God. Okay, so he's talking about the whole counsel of God. Look at Joshua 1.8. In the New Testament, we have the law of love that, got, that really incorporates all the Old Testament commandments in one commandment, which is love. To love one another as I have loved you. But someone who is going to be an individual who as a trembler of the word of God is going to take this scripture to heart. This book of the law shall not depart out of your ear. Hearing it's not enough. We've got to speak it. But thou shalt meditate therein once a month. Oh, day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then you'll make your way prosperous and then you're going to have success. Notice the one who trembles at the word of God is one who says, I don't want to just hear what the word of God says. I want to know it. I want it to be a part of my life, my conduct, my character, my attitudes, my motives, and so on and so forth. I want it to be the governing factor in my life. I want to live my life according to the way God says to live my life. In John's gospel chapter 10, we have one of the most outstanding scriptures in all the Bible. This is a verse Jesus himself basically penned by the Spirit through John. And here's what he says, something everybody needs to know. The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that you might have life to the full or, and that more abundantly. This is the dividing line between what is of God and what is of the enemy. Does it steal? Does it kill? Does it destroy? That's of the enemy. Does it give life to the full? Like filled with peace, filled with joy, filled with love, filled with life, filled with victory? All that 
comes from God. And that's the rightful dividing line. That's a revelation given to us from Jesus Christ himself. That's why we need the word of God. So if something is happening in your life that is evil, that is killing, stealing, or destroying, where does it come from? Appreciate your enthusiasm. Your excitement is overwhelming this morning. Where does it come from? If it gives life more abundantly, where does it come from? Every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes from the Father of lights. And there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So we have to understand this. Why? Because we've got to be vigilant in our thought life. The way we think about things or we'll be destroyed. We've got to recognize the fact that if it's coming from God, it's good. If it's coming from the devil, it's evil. I place before you life and death, good and evil, blessing and cursing. Choose life, God says. So it's up to us to choose to think the way God wants us to think and not the way the enemy wants us to think. We'll talk about that in a minute. Look at Psalm 119 and uh, verse 9. Both God and Satan has a plan for our lives. God's for good and Satan's for evil. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to how his grandmother lives. No, by taking heed thereto according to what? How important is it to know the word of God then? How will I cleanse my way? How will I walk down a path that is right and cleansed as far as God is concerned? I've got to go to the word of God and find that out. If I don't find out what God says, I'm going to think the way I think is right. I'm going to think my reasoning is right. You know, the Bible says we've got to be delivered from our corrupt reasoning faculties. Well, I think this is the way it should be. Remember that time that we lived in? If it feels good, do it. Right? Wrong. Just because it feels good doesn't mean you need to do it. Just because it looks right doesn't mean you should do it. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. Why do we want to choose that way? Jesus said, I am the way, truth, and life, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Guess what? There are people that are out there who say, there's many ways you can get to God. No, there's only many ways you can get to God's judgment. Only way to get to God is through Jesus Christ himself. That's it. Why? Only he became a, who created the world became a man. Walked upon the earth and made claims, boasts about himself that were absolutely unreasonable. Either he was a lunatic or he was a liar or he was the son of God. Because you know what he said? Kill me. I'll raise myself up in three days. Watch me. Guess what? They killed him. The acid test as to whether or not he was God in the flesh was... Could they keep him behind the stone? The 4,000 pound stone was hurled away on resurrection morning and he emerged from the grave and said, I am he that liveth. I was dead. I'm alive forevermore and I've got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Whew. That about knocked me over when I said that. Is that what he said? And someone says, yeah, but I believe in Buddha. Oh, let's talk for a minute. Confucius? You believe that? Read Revelation 5. He was there on the throne. John was caught up. I saw a book written within on the backside sealed with seven seals. I saw an pro pro angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who's worthy to take the book and lose the seals thereof? And I looked around. No one in heaven, earth, or beneath the earth was able to take the book or to look thereon. Oh, so John says, I wept much. Oh, I just cried my eyes out. But one of the elders came up to me and said, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. 
hath prevailed to take the book and loose the seals of I looked around and I saw a lamb as he had been slain, having seven eyes, seven horns, as are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. He came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he took the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to take the book and loose the seals thereof. For thou was slain and you redeemed us to God by your blood out of every, ki every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. And you made us kings and priests unto our God and we shall reign with you in all the earth. Guess who that was? What was his name? Yeah. Who's the only way to God? Jesus, not Confucius, not Buddha, every other grave has bones. But you go to Jerusalem, you go to the grave of Joseph of Arimathea, and guess what? There's nothing there. 500 people at one time saw him alive. He's the only worthy lamb to take the book. God's way is the right way. Number two, expression number two. Now, all that wasn't in your notes, but it's free. <laughs> no charge for that. In my heart, where did he have the word? The Old Testament law was written on tablets of stone. Remember? Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt, etc., etc., right? On the outside, the hard part of this is it's on the outside trying to get into the inside of a man. And so it's out there. God had to deal with man from the outside in to get on the inside of his heart. So he gave him these rigid, law, rigid laws he knew he could never, 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 never keep. You couldn't keep those laws if you tried to. Impossible. And he knew it. What was he trying to do? Show him the error of his way. Show him he could not save himself. Show him he could never live his life on this earth and make it to heaven by his own efforts or by his own works. Because if you break one law, You've broken them all. Those that say, well, I never did this. I never did that. But you did something. And if you did something, you broke all the laws of God. And you cannot in any way, shape, form, or fashion enter into heaven based on your works or efforts or based on my works or efforts. It's only based on the efforts and the works of one man, Jesus Christ. He's the only way that you can enter in by faith in what he did, not in what we did. But notice that Psalmist said, I've hid your word where? In my heart. See, in Ezekiel 36, 25, 26 and 27, let's read those verses. A new heart also will I give you. This is speaking of the time of the new birth. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. Where's the, see the flesh is on the outside. And I will give you a, a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you should keep my judgments and you will do them. What's he saying? I'm coming from the outside and I'm on my way to the inside. He showed man you can't do it. But he sent his son to do it for us. And once he sent his son to do it for us. It's up to us to say. Okay. I receive you as my savior. When he comes into your heart. Listen to me carefully. If you're born again. You will be changed. You cannot be born again. And live the way you lived before you got born again. I don't want to hear this thing about this excessive grace. Just say the, say the prayer you get saved. And then doesn't matter how you live. Because all your sins are forgiven and remitted. Wait a minute. It's not what the Bible teaches. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Guess what? 
Liars don't want to lie anymore. Deceivers don't want to deceive anymore. Why? Because he comes in and brings a new heart and a new life inside you. And he writes upon the table of your heart his laws, his statutes, his judgments, and the law of love. The first manifestation of the new birth, he said, you know you pass from death to life because you love the brethren. There's going to be a love in you for everyone. Now you don't, for example, if someone misses the mark, you don't hate them. You hate the sin, but you love the person. You understand that? The love is here. We love everyone. Period. We love them so much. Are you ready for it? We love them enough to tell them you're on the wrong road. Let me ask you a question. If your family was in a burning house and you're coming home from work and you see your house on fire. I mean, it's set ablaze. And you know you've got a couple of children in there, a cat and a dog, and your wife is in there. You're going to sit back and just watch and see what's going to happen? Or are you going to warn them and try to get them out? You people are really excited today. <laughs> Enthusiastic and on fire, just ready to go. What are you going to do? You're not going to be calm about it either. No. Do you think they'll be happy if you warn them? They'll be very happy if you get them out. Okay? So we've got people every single day Every single day being lost to eternity. We need to tell them. We need to communicate that. The problem is they get offended. To get a person out of a burning house is nothing. People go crazy. We had firemen here today. Just run to the house. Get them out. Get them out. Get them out. You tell someone, you're lost. You're lost. You're lost. Get out of my face. <laughs> you're in a burning house. I'm telling you to get out. Nope. Get out of my face. I don't want to hear it. They're blinded. The Bible says they're blinded to the truth and they can't come to Christ because they're blinded. Can you see that? We've got to tell them. There's only one way to God. That's Jesus Christ. And you've got to know him as your Savior. He said he took the word, he put it in his heart and said, I want this word to consume me in such a way that it changes my behavior. I want to renew my mind with the word of God so I think the way God wants me to think. Remember God said in Isaiah 55, my way's not your way. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my word will be that goes forth from my mouth. It'll prosper in the thing where I, to, where I sent it. Right? That's what he said. So in other words, I've got to humble myself, our beginning text, with a contrite spirit and heart and say, forgive me, Lord. My thinking was so wrong. Yours is so much higher than mine. I want to think the way you want me to think. Look at the book of... Um, Mark's gospel chapter 7. When we get saved, he writes upon the tablet of our heart his laws, his statutes, his commandments, and his judgments. He gives us a heart of flesh so that we're what? Like clay, the potter in the clay, and he molds us into the people he wants us to be. Look at this verse in Mark 7. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile the man. Where's all that stuff come from? Within. When you get born again, you have a new heart, new life, and a new nature. Guess what? That should no longer be a part of our lives. 
We've got a new heart, a new nature. And yes, we've got to get rid of some things along the way. It's not instantaneous, but along the way, if we study God's word, we begin to realize how we can walk the way God wants us to walk. Number three, notice he says, I have treasured thy word. I have treasured in my heart. What's he saying? I consider it to be so valuable. I consider it to be so precious like fine gold. I have taken it and I have hidden it inside my heart. I'm consumed by it. I want it to govern my life. I want it to impact the way I live. It's something that I value highly. That's why we're here today. Once again, we're not here to hear politics. We're not here to hear current events. We're here to hear what thus saith the Lord and govern our lives this way. I'm going to tell you something right now. We all got to get on the same page. We want this word that comes from God's house to enter the White House, to enter our house, so it can govern our nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. When righteousness exalts a nation, amen, then we are exalted. Amen. In the book of Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 5, talking about hiding the word of God where in the heart. We got to get back to this. My son, if thou will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear into wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear or the reverence of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. What's he saying? Go looking for it like a treasure. Value it so much. I want to hear what you say. You, there's some countries right now, they would give anything to rip a page out of the Bible and hand it to them. It's that valuable to them. Look in Psalm 19, a section of scripture, again, emphasizing the importance and the value of God's word. The law of the Lord is what? Perfect. Converting the soul. That's what it does. It converts the soul. It renews the mind. The testimony of the Lord is what? It's sure. Making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are what? right rejoicing the heart the commandment of the lord is pure doing what enlightening the eyes the fear of the lord is clean enduring forever and the judgments of the lord are true and righteous altogether more to be desired are they than gold yea than much fine gold sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb moreover by them is thy servant warned notice and in keeping of them there is a little bit. What is it? What kind of reward? Great reward. Look at the emphasis. I'm taking your word. I'm hiding it in my heart. I'm treasuring it. I consider it valuable more than gold, more than silver, any precious stone, so I can live by it. And there's great reward for doing it. And here we get to the final point that I really wanted to emphasize in the beginning. What? That I might not sin against thee. Did you see the motive here? Did you get the motive here? This ex excessive grace teaching does not emphasize this. That I might not sin against thee. I was reading after an author, E.W. Kenyon. 
He said, where are those among us today that would say like me, if hell was on one side and sin was on the other, I'd rather jump in hell than sin against my God. Wow. Sin is destructive. Very destructive. Let's look at 2 Samuel. When we value and treasure the word of God in our hearts and we are prepared or we equipped, are equipped not to sin against God, not to go against his laws, statutes and judgments. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, this is verse 9 and 10. If you recall the story of David and Bathsheba, you know the story where he was on the roof of the house and saw, saw her from his palace and all that and he committed uh, adultery. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord? Listen to this. To do evil in his sight. Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. Thou hast taken his wife to be your wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken thy wife, the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Notice, look at, let's read 14 before I comment. Look at verse 14. I believe it is. Can we get that? No. 2 Samuel 12, 14. 2 Samuel 12, 14. We're skipping a couple of verses here. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Now remember, when we think of David, who do we think, what do we think of? A man after God's own heart. Well, this man after God's own heart, who treasured up the word of God in his heart, took some time off. Okay? Took some time off. And so he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He committed murder. He killed her husband. And then... Of course, he tried to cover it all up and so forth. Well, listen. He broke three of the commandments. Thou shalt not commit murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. There's three things he committed. And three things it says that he did. He despised the commandment of God, number one. In these verses we just read. Number two. He despised me, the Lord said. Let's put that in context. He despised the commandment of God, which to God says, you despised me. Number three, you ready for it? You've given the enemy a great occasion to blaspheme me and speak against all that I am and who I am. God took David's behavior so seriously he pointed that out and said, as a judgment that will fall upon you is the child of your union will die. I've struggled with this verse and struggled with this verse. Why should that innocent child die for what David did? David should have died as the king for what he did. It's almost like a redemption story. The innocent dies for the guilty. The innocent one died for the guilty. And who are we to argue with God? Since David should have died, and there was a great work to be done through David still, 
the judgment fell upon the child instead of him. And that child was gone. And I know that sounds hard to take. But yet that's what happened. That's the serious nature of sin. Can you see that? Okay. Now that's David. But let's look at second, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Genesis 39. And look at chapter, uh, verse 7. And this is another story. This is from the New Living Translation. And this is about a man named Joseph. Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when she went to, in to do his work, when he went to do his work. She came and grabbed him by the cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out from the house. And you know the rest of the story. She accused him of rape. He was thrown into prison, but God brought him out because he was innocent. What's the difference between David and Joseph? Joseph took the word to heart. Joseph hid the treasure of God's word in his heart. It governed his life and he responded accordingly. David did not do so. And David was judged for the rest of his life. And, and experienced tremendous turmoil because of what he had done. Now, sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Think about that. Sin will cost us more than we want to pay. It'll also keep you longer than you want to stay. You, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is this. Lucifer is never getting out. Never. Anyone that enters a hell will never get out. You can be there for 10,000 years, you'll never get out. You're not going to be set free at any time. Okay? In our society today, people want to hear about sin. But it's real. Look in the book of Isaiah chapter 14. Let's start with the beginning. We'll go through this quick, I promise you. Lucifer. Have you all often been puzzled with, how can a perfect being sin? Or am I the only one? Well, we understand that we can sin by seeing things and hearing things that are wrong. Okay. So here we have Lucifer. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Isaiah tells us by the Spirit. How are you cut down to the ground which did weaken the nation? You said in your heart. Look, notice. You said in your heart. Who said it? He did. Where? In his heart. He had the word of God in his heart. But you see, all of a sudden, here's something else happens. What did he say? I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet, thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Sin offers a lot, but delivers very little. Can you see that? So how did this happen? It's by what he saw 
and by what he heard. You see, he saw the glory of God. He heard the praises of God. He watched God and observed how he created all things by the spoken word of his mouth. God said and it was so. God said and it was so. God said and it was so. Well, guess what? If God can do that, I can do that. So he starts saying, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the most high God. Whoops. What did he want? Exaltation. What did he get? You'll be brought down to hell. Go to Eve in the book of Genesis. Look at Eve. Chapter 3 and verse 6. Here's what happens. God places men in a perfect environment. Perfect everything. He's got the perfect wife. His wife was formed. Yours has to be found. Wouldn't you like to go to bed one night? You're 21 years old. Go to bed one night and you wake up. Oop, who are you? I came out of your side. When that happened, God did it while you were sleeping. Are you bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh? Uh-huh. I'm your perfect mate. How many guys out there say, that would be so wonderful? Wouldn't that be great? Right, it would. Perfect everything. Perfect spouse, perfect mate, perfect environment, perfect position, all authority. All that's perfect in that perfect environment. And God says, all the beauty of this all is my desire for you. But you see that tree over there? Don't touch it, lest you die. So they're just bebopping through life. Isn't life grand? Oh man, look at that tree. Look at that. Look at the fruit on that. Oh my goodness, this is a beautiful, beautiful place. This is wonderful. It doesn't get better than this, does it? Not, absolutely not. All of a sudden, the devil says, hmm, I know what I did. Let me see if I can offer a suggestion or a thought or an idea into her mind. I'm not going to mess with him right now. She's a little more emotional than he is. I didn't say that out loud, did I? <laughs> and so he whispers in her ear, look at that. Look at that. How many of you that men hunt and women shop? What are you looking for, honey? A tie. Boom, there it is. Boom, get out. What are you looking for, honey? A blouse. Honey, we're in five stores. You saw five that you like, but there's more stores. You never know. Let's go to the next one. And 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 let's go back to the first one and buy the first one I saw. <laughs> you don't think that started in the garden? <laughs> in the garden, they said, whoop, we're naked. Adam goes, there's my fig leaf. She goes, that's all right, but I'll look at that tree. Let me go to that tree. Let me go to that tree. She went through the whole garden. Came back to the first one and said, now that'll do. That's where it starts. Perfect place. Perfect environment and all that. But do you see that? You think he was mean about it? Oh, sweetheart. Come on. Did God say you would die if you Look at the fruit on that tree. It's a desire to make one wise. Oh, how subtle. I never really noticed that before. Hmm. Venomous beast. I never noticed that before. 
you old rattlesnake. Never noticed that before. So nice, so kind, so soft. Yeah, it does look like, you know, you're right. Never saw it in that light before. And so she walks over and takes it. Big old bite. Offered her wisdom. You'll be wise. She got cursed. You see what's on the other side of that is death. God offered life. She got death. Cursed as a result of it. He put thoughts and ideas in her mind. Ready for Ananias and Sapphira? Ananias and Sapphira. Acts chapter 5. Beginning at verse 1. Let's motor through this. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. And, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie? What's supposed to be in the heart of a man? The word of God. To the Holy Ghost, to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price or of the land. Whilst it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own power? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Thou hast lied not to men, but to God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young man arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. Can you imagine that kind of punishment for lying to the Holy Ghost? You say, why was it so severe? So severe because they were coming, bowing before God, pretending to give everything that they had, surrendering their all to God while they're holding back a half of it. So why? So they could look good in front of all the people. I gave it all. I gave it all. I gave it all. But you know what? Satan said, you can stay famous, have popularity. People will think you're a giver. But you can still have half of it for yourself. And Peter says, you lied to the Holy Ghost. And boom, they fall over dead. Both of them. Imagine that kind of judgment. Because they deceived God. Tried to deceive God. All right. In 1 Peter chapter 5, the road to sin begins in the thought life. And you're seeing that right here. Look at what it says. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. What is he saying? The devil is seeking people to get into their thought life, to inject thoughts, suggestions, and ideas, to get them to think the way he thinks, to use human reasoning. Why? So they can carry out the mission that he has for them. That's exactly how sin operates. He'll attack the mind of a person. Okay? He'll make people think abortion's not murder. You realize that? Even dupe some Christians into thinking abortion's not murder. But let me tell you something. The book of Jeremiah says, I knew you before your mother's womb. And I had a plan for you before your mother's womb. And my plan will be fulfilled and carried out in due season. Think about it. Okay? And we won't go along that line, but real quick, Number one, Satan saw and heard what he desired. Number two, Satan filled Eve's mind with thoughts. Number three, Satan filled Ananias and Sapphira with lies. And the only role model we have for overcoming temptation and not getting into sin is found in Matthew 4, 4, the Lord Jesus Christ, who when the devil came to inject in his mind thoughts that disagreed with the word of God, what did he say? It is written, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Did you hear that? 
every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Uh, so Jesus, Jesus did what? He used the word. Number two, ask the spirit for help. John 14, 26. He'll bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever he has taught us. Let the Holy Ghost bring to our remembrance what the word says in a given situation where we're tempted to, to sin. Look at Matthew 26, 41. Number three, pray. Pray. Watch and pray that you enter not temptation, but the, the spirit is w indeed willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. So what are we supposed to do? Pray. So the word, use the word, ask the spirit for help, pray. Number four, submit and resist. Look at James 4 verse 7. Submit, listen, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. If you don't submit, you only resist and it's not going to work. Submit to God first. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. He did from Jesus. Number five, confess that sin has no dominion over me. Look at um, in the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? You're not under the law, but under grace. So sin has no dominion over you whatsoever. Look at the next one. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. There's only a few temptations that have been. There have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is what? faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above you are able but will in all the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it there is a way out of every temptation we encounter and God wants us to know that so that's a little plan there is what we could do what we could use to stand against the onslaught of the enemy who comes against our minds to tell us to do what he wants us to do amen, amen. are we in agreement with that let's stand together